you've got a really good group of coaches in um, in the state. You know, obviously, I'm partial to Robbie McClellan at and you know NJIT because I coached him in Arizona State, and you know we may talk about this in a, in a little bit, but what they did in Fayetteville was remarkable. I mean, they were the bells of the ball, right? I mean, the city of Fayetteville, you know, wrapped their arms around those kids. everybody welcome to today's episode we've got tgim we've got uh valentine's day we've got opening week of d1 college baseball and so who better to bring on than the person who loves college baseball more than anybody in the world that we know um it's espn's premier college baseball analyst d1baseball.com's mike rooney mike thanks for coming on and uh Busy, busy, fun time of year, right? That's right. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. My brain is mush. We're in the midst of preview season. We're just writing and getting after it. It's super fun. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. Just a, it's, it's a blur, but an awesome time of year. So excited. That's right. Just to remind you, we are in New Jersey. We are in the state right next to where you grew up, that little tiny <laughs> state right. down the shore, Sea Isle City Remembrances. That's uh, so I don't know if that's going to help you or not, but you're right. I mean, previews all over the country. It's a it's a crazy fun time. Um, no lockouts here. We're going to got to be ready to go on Friday. Um, are you when do you start doing the, the broadcast grind? Yeah, so I um, I will have. Just, you know, like because I live in Arizona, there's a lot of northern teams that come here to start those first three weeks. Yep. So I get to do some local games, you know, like I've got Arizona State here and Grand Canyon here and University of Arizona here. And so I get to do some local games for, you know, local cable for flow sports, that type of stuff. So that's really fun. And then um, the ESPN stuff usually picks up right when basketball is ending. That's when usually their channels start to free up. So still waiting to hear. Usually you kind of hear a month out, but um, yeah, usually like early April to me is when it really becomes go time. And maybe there'll be more with, uh, with no majors, at least as in the, in the foreseeable. Yeah, crazy, right? They'll figure it out, but, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, it's like every time I read something about the lockout, I think I get more confused. I don't know what to make of it all. I don't, I don't even know what the, I don't even know if they know what they're, how many billions they're arguing over at this point. It's, That's uh, a good point crazy it's a crazy world but let's let's start out a little closer to home um it was a uh, a historic or an, an historic season in, in new jersey last year in some ways college baseball wise um two mac teams making the ncaa tournament one of them being uh local here in new jersey as rider wins the conference they got their championship rings the end of january they look they, they're pretty cool um nice uh, you know, NJIT winning the America East, um, getting the first New Jersey win in the NCAAs in 10 years. You had a great Monmouth team. You've got Rutgers on the rise. You've got Seton Hall um, kind of uh, in, a, in a tougher position in the Big East with UConn coming in. Um, you've got Princeton in the Ivies. You've got St. Peter's trying to find its way in the, uh, in the MAC. And you've got FDU in the Northeast Conference, and I think I hit everybody on my first try, which is a which is well a good done. thing. Yeah, so so 2021 was a great year, 
can we follow that up in 2022 is kind of the question. Yeah, I would say two, when you were speaking there, Olsh, two things came to mind for me. One is, like, I just love the, the trend of the programs in New Jersey right now. Most, you know, and I think that starts with leadership. I just, I, I think you've got a really good group of coaches in, um, in the state, you know, obviously I'm partial to Robbie McClellan at, and, you know, NGIT cause I coached him in Arizona state and, you know, I, we may talk about this in a, in a little bit, but what they did in Fayetteville was remarkable. I mean, they were the bells of the ball, right? I mean, the city of Fayetteville, you know, wrap their arms around those kids. And so there's that, you know, I, I think Steve Owens, what he's doing at Rutgers is, I mean, this dude is one everywhere and you Come can already, yeah, you can see it percolating at, at Rutgers, you know, like I, I love their, they were, they were really impressive. Hey, they swept Nebraska on the road last year and Nebraska nearly goes to a super regional. I mean, they took mm -hmm. Arkansas to game seven. So, um, yeah, I, I love the trend. I, one, one more comment I'll make, Olsh, is, you know, we, we have a transfer portal now in college sports. And in college baseball, it takes us back to where we were 20 years ago, where kids could transfer and not sit out. And, you know, I, I know the quote unquote air, you know, air quote, smaller schools, you get a little panicky about that, because that does that mean my best players get a phone call from the SEC and then they're gone? That is possible, right? That, like, that, I'm not saying that's not a possibility, but I'll tell you what also happens. The portal works both ways. And I see this at Rutgers where you get Jersey kids that want to go south and take a shot at it. And then, you know, hey, only nine guys can play. And at the end of the day, they want to be a drafted player. And so they got to get on the field and they come home and, and Rutgers killed it in the transfer market. Um, so I, I think the transfer portal, it'll hurt New Jersey schools at times. But I think net net it will be it will be an overwhelming positive. Yeah, no, that's a great point. You know, certainly that and and some of the recruiting classes they've managed to to fill out that you know I can see over the next couple of years. I mean, it's that you know arrow pointing up for them certainly. And uh, you know, I I think those conferences like the the Big Ten, great conference, a lot of really strong teams it certainly wasn't like that when when you were or or i would it was it was the ohio state and minnesota conference back uh in in our days yeah um you know that there's but there's no i mean michigan made the finals a couple years ago but there's really usually not a a dominating college world series level team so you get a couple of good classes in and you can join that you know, that top echelon that, you know, that this, you know, what we mentioned, but, but also Nebraska, also Maryland, you know, uh, Iowa, Indiana. I mean, Indiana made the world series about what 2013, 2013. Um, yeah. You got some pretty darn good teams in there. And even if they're not top 10, you know, you can get to that top 25 level pretty, you know, with a couple of, of, of good pushes. Yeah. I would say the, 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 the challenge in the big 10 is that, man, it's hard to separate yourself in that lake. I mean, everybody's at least decent, you know? Right. And so climbing the standings is difficult. I, I would group Rutgers and Iowa in, in they're like that tier two, right? Like they're just right on the fringe of that top group. And the good news for Rutgers is, you know, the big 10, because you mentioned it also like 2013, Indiana goes to Omaha 
And then 2015, Illinois is hosting a super regional. You know, we, we forget in 2015, it was Illinois hosting Vanderbilt in the super regional that had Dansby Swanson and, you know, Carson Fulmer and all those dudes on that team. You know, Vandy was the visiting team. And then, you know, you look at what, I mean, gosh, Michigan, to your point. I mean, it's so easy to slip your mind where they played for the national stinking title a couple years ago. I mean, they were in game three of the College World Series finals university of michigan and then you know you you look at what nebraska did last year where they pressed the number one team in the country to game seven of a regional so i think for if you're if you're rutgers centric if they could just continue to progress up into that tier that tier one hey the big 10 is getting four you know three four and five teams in every year you start to get your program in that mode and I, I think when you get to a couple regionals in a row, that's when your, your kids start getting comfortable and, and you can really pop one. Definitely. Now, the MAC probably asking too much to be a two-bid conference again, um, but can anybody make that jump and be the next Fairfield is, is probably a, a fair question, right? I mean, because you're talking about a team that won two games in regionals and battled like crazy the two games they didn't win and they didn't even win the conference title yeah it's crazy I, I would say it's it's funny also I did the Mac preview last year there's one thing I'm proud of for d1 baseball one thing I'm proud of one thing I'm not so I was thinking to myself okay the Mac we got another Mac Metro Atlantic we need a cool hashtag like we need something and so the hashtag I created which is not caught on at all I'm the only one that likes it but <laughs> I, I said hashtag the second a is for awesome you know, the, the, the second A in the Mac. And so that was that was something I was proud of. What I was not proud of was picking Fairfield to finish fourth in the conference. And they go 33 and one and they didn't lose a game. Oh, Fairfield didn't lose a game till May. Till you didn't May. have to start 28. No, you didn't. You didn't have that. <laughs> I did not have that. So but, you know, it's interesting, you know, like, you know, speaking of Jersey, Monmouth had a really good season. Um, you know, I was really excited for Ryder and Barry Davis, where, you know, Bar Barry Davis has been a guy that's been very popular at, at conventions and clinics. He's done a lot of research on the best coaches in college sports and Skip Burtman and John Wooden. And, you know, it, it, we, we forget it's Dr. Barry Davis, the head coach yeah. of Ryder, right? This only, guy's a PhD. One, one that I know of. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, it was cool to see Ryder pop their way through that tournament. They got sent to that Ruston Regional, which was really, really difficult. That's where NC State was. but. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, Hey, is two teams do repeatable? I don't know. Like, it, it, you know, I, I probably not, but it was, um, it was really a cool year to spotlight that this league's got good players. You know, this league is, these are, this is good baseball. And, um, I, I'm just really curious to see what, where, you know, the Monmouths and the riders of the world, is, is there a real separation between them and Fairfield or was that a blip? I, that, that's what I'm really curious about. No, I think those you're talking about three really good teams and you throw in like a Marist in there that mm -hmm. was in a COVID hell last year as far as their scheduling. Um, you've got a, a making of a, a pretty another really fun conference tournament this year and it's it's going to be exciting. Yeah, no question. Quinnett, we forget oh, Quinnipiac, you know, well, went was, down to East your, Carolina a couple years ago and they're, won game one of the regionals. Right, so, yeah. They were they were the the kind of it pick last year because yep. of what you said winning yep. you know when you go down to ECU and you win a a conference tournament game and then you know again it was such a crazy year um, 
that, uh, you know, you can't forget about them. That's, that's a mm-hmm. good program. Um, another good program, another good conference, another conference that keeps getting better is the Big East, you know, with, with UConn, you know, back, really back in play now and, and finding its place. And sadly, you know, no Reggie Crawford on the mound. Oh, sticks. But still, you know, a conference that's better than ever baseball-wise. Where does Seton Hall fit in there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's funny just looking up Seton Hall. It's so I mean, we're going on fifty. I think we're 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 at fifty-one years of Shepherds coaching Seton Hall. I mean, how cool is that? Like in any sport in college sports, you know, Mike was there thirty-one years, and I think this is Rob's twentieth year, if I'm not mistaken. And so, yeah, I think I'm of two minds there. Olsh. one is that you know if you look at the last ten years of Rob's tenure, Seton Hall has been remarkably consistent. And and when I think of Seton Hall, I just think of they play a really solid winning brand of baseball, um, almost like the Tampa Bay Rays, where they're not going to have the marquee, you know, billboard, you know, grabbing guy necessarily, but they're just sound in all areas. I, I do think more pitching and defense when I think Seton Hall. But once the the Big East became a more normal sized conference, I mean Seton Hall has been in the top half of that league every single year. I think the problem for Seton Hall is what you just mentioned. This league is really elevating itself. I mean UConn is a you know they're one of the best programs that ha- that that just hasn't quite popped their way through to to Omaha. I mean I think they've been to regional seven in the last eleven years, something in that range. I mean UConn is really good. They're really talented. They're well coached. Um, so that's you know that that's problematic. You know I, Xavier's really good. Creighton's an outstanding program. I mean you look at St. John's as good as St. John's is they're kind of sliding to the back half of the league right now. And, and, and I don't know, it's necessarily anything they're doing wrong. It's just that some of these other leagues or some of these other teams uh, keep elevating themselves. So I think ultimately that's the challenge for Seton Hall. You're in a one bid league that has really good baseball. Yeah. And another that returns, thankfully, after two years of, uh, of COVID hell is the Ivy League. Right. Yeah. So we've got we've got Princeton and, and another longtime coach and Scott Bradley. And, you know, there's not a lot of guys who have more of an interesting perspective on the game than, than somebody who caught Randy Johnson's first no hitter back in the day. Right. You know, what do we see from the, the Tigers? And from a bigger perspective, we talked briefly about the transfer portal. You know, there's a situation with the Ivy League um, where. You lost two, uh, yeah, there's two, you get two extra years of eligibility because of COVID, but the Ivy League said, not with us, you know, you're, right. you're done after your four years. So it's like, there's a separate transfer railroad, transfer portal market from, for really good Ivy League guys going to play at other schools now. Yeah. My hope for the Ivy League, I mean, I, I don't know how any of us could make a prediction on what's going to happen this year in the Ivy League, given that they haven't played since 2019. Oh, I, can't either. That's right. No, but I would say this all. Here's my hope for the Ivy League is pre-pandemic. I, I, I kind of was into what was going on in the Ivy League. These kids, you know, it was good baseball. You know, the, these aren't just brainiac kids. They're really bright kids who have baseball talent. I mean, think about Kyle Hendricks, you know, of the Cubs. And mm-hmm. like, they're, they're really good players. The, the, the Ivy League has produced big leaguers over and over again. But I like the way those kids could go have an Ivy League career, get that world-class education. And then they were very attractive grad transfer recruits. 
at really, you know, like schools like Wake Forest, Duke has taken on a lot of Ivy League kids. Right now, I worry that a lot of the Ivy League players are we're having to make a decision like, do I, if I want to play college baseball, I got to get out of here. And so you kind of had a scattering. So, so that's, that's what I really want to see from, you know, I think the Ivy League's in the no judgment zone this spring from a baseball perspective. I just want to see it get back to that, what I thought was a cool system where these kids could go play their four years of Ivy League baseball. And then, you know, most of those kids are going to get a graduate degree anyway, because that's how they're wired. And it's, it's a really cool way for them to finish up their college baseball career. Yeah, yeah, I know the, uh, you know, Penn is bringing in a couple of really tough classes, uh, kind of mining that South Jersey area a little bit and New mm-hmm. Jersey. You know, over the next couple of years, you know, Columbia has had a, a good stretch and Dartmouth and Yale when you look historically. So, you know, let's let's hope that they get back as, as soon as possible to uh, to to that. Now, the other end of that historic side of it, you know, last year being the first time on the national stage um, is uh, NJIT and, mm-hmm. and the America East. Um, now their conference took a little bit of hit. If you follow the conference roulette recently, it won't affect this year, but, you know, with Stony Brook leaving to, uh, along with Monmouth to, to join the CAA, um, in a, in a move that, you know, those, new, those moves are never baseball related, you know, never, no, um, no. so I, you know, but, but to, uh, let's talk about NJIT a little bit, some grit ball, some, uh, some brick city atmosphere up in Newark. Your, your long time, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, your old recruit, Robbie McClellan, um, they're doing some pretty cool things up there. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, it, it's disappointing because the realignment, because, you know, Robbie and NJIT were starting to develop a little rivalry with Stony Brook. I mean, that was really chippy at the end of last year. You know, we we cut kind of, a little rivalry at the end. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, so, you know, I don't know, maybe it's disappointing. That's going to go away. Maybe it's a healthy thing. Who knows? But, you know, I think it speaks to, you know, Stony Brook has, has carried the water in that league forever. And yeah. it was, you know, it's, it's neat to have other, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. And, you know, I know Olshu and I have talked about it, but I think what NJIT did in Fayetteville, in that Fayetteville regional, that's not just good for their program, although it was, it's good for the league, right? I mean, you could argue, or I would, I could, I think I could make a, a, a sound argument that NJIT shows up in Fayetteville, they play the host Arkansas, and they just start trading punches with them. And that Arkansas got on their heels and never quite, got themselves settled i mean arkansas's run through the now arkansas was a you know a beautiful team i mean what a great great team that's a that's an all-time team for me that didn't make it to omaha but you know they they had to bring their closer kevin copson in the fourth inning against njit i mean there if you had made a wager on that in vegas you'd be a bazillionaire right now like there was no one that's saying everyone's saying i don't even think kevin cops is in the stadium today there's no way in heck he's pitching against NJIT. Yeah, so, you talk about, about playing with an attitude that game. First batter home run, you know, it's one nothing. They got the lead literally right from crazy. The, you know, three pitches in. I mean, that's that's a mentality, though. I mean, you've coached at that level, right? How hard is it to instill that mentality into to your guys when they are the underdogs um, and embrace that role and, you know, how impressive is it that that he did, but then also, you know, the leaders on the team, the Paul Franzoni's, the guys like that. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, there's so many cliches that run through my head when you say that, right? Like, 
hey, so many times programs take on the personality of their head coach. And that's who Robbie McClellan was, right? He pitched in the Pac-10 at six foot, 160 pounds with what he thought was the best breaking ball on the planet Earth. So it's like he had that mentality that, hey, like you guys are taller and you throw harder, but you don't have my hammer. And so, you know, I never, we played Stanford one year and they, you know, they were probably ranked one or two and Robbie goes up there and just shoves it on him for seven innings. And, you know, he's just this Juco guy from Southwest Kansas. And so <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, first of all, I see NJIT playing with that mentality, but uh, you know, also like Robbie's attracted to those types of players. I mean, Robbie's teammate was Dustin Pedroia. And so I, I, I sensed a lot of that in, in the Highlanders that, you know, like they're, they're not going to be the, the pretty team getting off the plane. They're going to be the team that, that gets after you. Yeah. And, and, and obviously we want to make sure, uh, you know, FDU in the, in the Northeast conference, St. Pete's uh, you know, obviously their struggles have been documented through the, the 2010s, when you are a team that's really trying to build in a, in a one-bit conference like they are, um, and, and you know, even St. Pete's trying to build from, you know, less than nothing. I mean, when you lose that many games in a row, like I said, just a few years back, 78 in a row, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and to, to start to take the steps towards respectability that they've had i mean they they beat maris last year they beat monmouth last year they you know the it's single game successes now but at least there's a starting point what are the biggest challenges for programs like that when they're trying to rise in you know in a smaller conference yeah i think it's it's really hard on the coaches right and and, you know like i would say so much respect for those players and coaches you know hey even losing in college baseball is a lot of work. You know, it's not like, hey, the teams that win do weightlifting and they practice and the teams that lose do the same things. They just don't get the results on game day. And so, you know, I I think I have so much respect for those players and coaches that, you know, they put in the work, but they really don't get the rewards. You know, I I think at the end of the day, Olsha, it really, a lot of times those coaches are having to recruit and, and try to coach up their team as best they can. But where they're really hurting is resources. You know, it's it reminds me of being a high school coach in suburban Philly where, you know, hey, is, are there any teachers at this school that could be a baseball coach? Are there any people that have a job where they get off at two every day that could I could help teach? I could teach that person to teach my players. So I, I think that's the that's the real that's the biggest challenge for those programs is they're they're just so resource de- deficient um, and you know, your, your, your time is finite. So you're trying to figure out, do I go fundraise? Do I coach? Do I recruit? It, it, it's, um, it, it's difficult. Yeah. You know, and, and starting to see some signs there, Rob Datoma with his, uh, you know, and a great background at Fordham as an assistant now at FDU. And, you know, they're starting to make some inroads there and, and Lou Prieti over at, uh, St. Peter's is finally getting some of the help that, that yeah. you know, he needs away from the field to, to have a shot, you know, cause um, you want to see all the programs in New Jersey doing their best. And, and, and yeah, love Lou Olsh. Like that's the one thing about Lou is his attitude. We interact with him at D one baseball on occasion. And like, just, he's so positive. He's so like, I, I just love, we all, all of us in our lives need some of his attitude yes. where regardless yes. of the storms and the results the, the, the guy just stays positive and keeps grinding. God bless I would him. Say if, awesome. if anybody can bring him back to, uh, to, to that level, even to, to respectable level and making the Mac tournament, it's, it's Lou. And, yeah. 
you know, probably because he's Canadian that he's he's got that. <laughs> That's, That's not an American great. attitude that he has. He's bringing That's it. Great. He's bringing, and and if anybody isn't bothered by that that North Jersey cold in the in March, it's it's going to be Lou too. So it's not great points. Warm well said. Let's uh, let's skip over to some of the uh, the New Jersey talent because um, the players, you know, it, it, we've got um, some really you know some some Jersey guys on your on your D one uh, baseball.com all American teams. But probably if there was a fourth team, we'll start with there because because Trey Dombrowski from uh, from Monmouth um, just missed your cut, yeah. but was the the Cape pitcher of the year, you know, last summer. You know, he's a kid who's got certainly all the potential of the world and and start and and kind of heads a, a pitching staff at Monmouth that was, you know, one of the best in the country. Yeah, no question. I mean, yeah, you look at the I would encourage anyone listening, go pull up Monmouth's team stats from last year. I mean, like 85 walks in almost 40 games. I mean, they don't yeah. walk anybody. No. Um, just really, really, uh, you know, skilled pitching. And, yeah, I remember Trey Jombrowski writing up Monmouth last year, and you're like, okay, man, that's interesting. 6'5", left-hander, you know, not like – like he, I think he's like – they list him at 215. Um, you know, like that's a that's a – that's a great get for a school like Monmouth where, you know, many times a big school will take a run at a kid with that profile. And then if it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So, and Hey, he delivered, you know, like he, 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 he the performance was there. I, I think he's a guy that you bet on, you know, I, I, I could see where the velocity is just going to keep picking up. Yeah. He's just, you know, going to the Cape that helps the confidence level. So yeah, I, I think Monmouth's got a real gem right there. And who knows? I mean, think about it. the kid from Fordham last year, Matt Mikulski. I mean, he ends up being the 50th pick overall. And and so that's that's the one thing about being at a school like Monmouth is, you know, Dombrowski's going to get a lot of eyeballs. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of attention for him, and that probably serves him well. Absolutely. But looking at your All-American teams, you know, right at the top, first team All-American, uh, you know, maybe the most valuable closer. Maybe maybe it'll be the Kevin Cops of this year. Um, is uh, is Nick Maldonado, Saint uh, Seton Hall prep grad. Um, interesting enough, his brother Chris is a, a senior at Seton Hall prep. He's headed for headed to Clemson next year. One of the top players in the country. There's a chance that maybe a the 2022 draft it becomes a, a double Maldonado draft. How about that? Yeah, I would say Nick Maldonado was interesting for us on the All American teams because you know, first of all, he's really good, right? He's Every time you see him, the one thing that stands out to me about Nick Malnato is his consistency. Every time you see him, you, you get the same dude. You get 91 to 93 with a really, you know, like just a wipeout out pitch slider. And, and, you know, he wasn't one of the famous guys on that pitching staff coming into 2021. He was a name that you knew, but he wasn't like, you know, obviously he wasn't mm -hmm. rocker and lighter. Yeah. yeah. But I would say for Vandy, you know, Vandy gets to the, the national, you know, the, the finals, the CWS finals and Nick Malnato's fingerprints are all over that. Because if you remember the kind of arc of Vandy's season, rocker and lighter were money in the bank. And the rest of the pitching staff was, you never knew what you were going to get. Um, actually, if, if you felt like you knew one thing is, Hey, if the guy threw good last game, he's probably going to blow up this game. You know, it was just up and down and they, you know, you could see Tim Corbin and Scott Brown trying to find somebody to lean on besides those top two guys. And Nick Malnato was really the guy that became someone they could count on at the end of the games. I, I know they considered starting him this year, but I think he's probably just too valuable at the end. But 
Um, he's a real key to Vandy's season this year because there are um, there's a ton of talent on that pitching staff, but boy, there are a lot of question marks. Yeah, second team, we've got uh, another another young man who's got a brother coming up on his heels. It's Kyle Teal from Virginia with the uh, the shot heard around Charlottesville last uh, last year to get them into the College World Series. Um, but and then also obviously his brother Aiden um, is a reclassified senior. He was actually a 2023 grad initially, um, pushing up his last year of high school into this year so that next year the uh, it'll be a two-teal uh, Virginia next year. But, but, uh, but Kyle is quite the player. Quite the player. I mean, my teammate at, at D1 Baseball, Aaron Fitt, loves Kyle Teal. He wanted Kyle Teal on the first team, but we probably would have had to put him at DH – you know, put him at DH and move Jacob Berry to third base, the kid from LSU. And so you just start getting all these machinations. But, you know, Kyle Teal is really an, an electric athlete, left-handed hitter. You know, he, he really became Virginia's best hitter last year. Um, his offense was a big reason why they get to Omaha. Scouts are mixed on him behind the plate. I would say that he's almost too athletic right now at, at, at catcher. You know, like he's he's so electric that it's just too much movement. But there, because he's so athletic, I think scouts do finally say, hey, if, if, if an athlete of his caliber can't figure it out back there, nobody can. Yeah. But yeah. nobody is nobody's confused about the bat. It's a top of the class bat. Uh, so be really interested. Be, be exciting to see what he can do as the full time catcher this year. Yep. Now, now, third team is uh, is one of South Jersey's finest. Um, and one of our one of our friends at, uh, uh, on the main site, um, Noah Dean. Uh, Tiny Pinelands Regional, but, you know, big, uh, not many bigger arms in college baseball. In fact, you might say there aren't any. Yeah. And uh, Noah hitting triple digits on occasion down at ODU. Yeah, it's crazy to think about it. Like, and ODU has always done a great job recruiting New Jersey, right? Oh like my they, gosh. Yeah, they I didn't do. I realize until I start doing this. It's, yeah, they do a heck of a job getting into Jersey. And, you know, Noah Dean is, I mean, it's a it's a left-handed arm that's going to touch 100. I mean, I, we have him 58th in our top 100 for the draft just because, you know, re, the re, relievers do get to 10. They, they get pushed down the draft board sometimes. But I, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a lefty throwing 100. There's not a lot of them walking around the planet earth. So it's, I remember yeah. Billy Wagner and then there was a role. Yeah. No, too many others. Yeah. Noah Dean's a real key for old dominion though, because their whole offense is back. They're going to put up a lot of runs, but they're, they did lose quite a bit of pitching. So they're really going to, ha- uh, they're leaning on him. You know, they're, they're going to need him to have a big year. Yeah. And I know there was some, uh, control issues, but, but lefties tend to, uh, lefties don't, aren't always as polished as, as righties at the, at the beginning when, and when they figure it out, they're they're that's that's going to be if he if he doesn't go until 58th, then whoever gets him at the end of that second round is getting a steal. No doubt. I totally agree. So it is Valentine's Day today when this when when we air our initial episode, we hope you watch many times after Valentine's Day. But since you are, as far as we know, the person who loves college baseball more than, than anyone else, certainly at the, the D1 level, which makes you the person who loves your job more than anybody else <laughs> in college baseball. What are three things that you love about the sport that is uh, starting, you know, Friday? Yeah, I would say I, I like my brain goes to three places on this. One is, you know, I, I think I think about the stories. I think about the relationships. And then I just love our postseason. 
And, and some of this stuff is going to have Jersey ties, you know, like this one, not, but Virginia goes to Omaha last year and their catcher, Logan Michaels, is just, you know, fifth year, senior grinder guy. Like there's, he, he's an exceptional kid, but there's nothing exceptional about his game, except for you can just rely on him and trust him. And he hits his first home run and in Omaha and his dad, who's a cancer, you know, has been battling cancer for three years is in the stands his dad's bawling. And you're like, I mean, come on, like what that that type of moment. Hey, I think about I'll tie it into NJIT. We mentioned Kevin Copps earlier and, you know, Kevin Copps going into last year, Kevin Copps won the Heisman Trophy for college baseball last year. And what, what's crazy about that, old, it was his fifth year, you know, his first year, he's a reliever. Then he has Tommy John his second year. Then his third year goes OK. It's like a four year array. His fourth year of college, Kevin Copps, old had an eight ERA and he's asking the Arkansas coaches, Hey, do you even want me back for my fifth year? And he's the national player of the year. So just stories like that. I, I think the other thing I think about, you know, these guys in college baseball, you know, from running the teams you're running like 18 to 22 years old is such a cool age. And, you know, I, the, we had a reunion or an alumni day at Arizona state this weekend. And it's, you know, there's, there's the famous guys, you know, like, and I'm sure for Rutgers, it's like when they get together, it's like Todd Frazier, but for us, it's Dustin Madroy and Andre Ethier there with their bazillion kids, but also four of their teammates from Arizona state, whose names you would never know with their kids and all their kids are growing up together because the bond is their college baseball experience. You know, the, so I, I just, I, those relationships that these kids in college baseball are making, they're forever. They're going to be in each other's weddings. You know, their kids are going to, are, are going to, you know, run around the neighborhood together. And so, and then, you know, just like the postseason, it's just anything can happen. You know, we talked about NJIT, you know, everybody in the world is expecting Arkansas to beat them 20 to nothing. And you wake up in the fourth inning and Arkansas is having an oh crap moment. Like what in the heck is going on here? You know, I, I think about the Wright state, which is not a famous school, unless you really follow college baseball, them giving Tennessee everything they wanted more in that opening game. And so, yeah, I just, I think, um, you know, I, I think about the Jack lighters of the world, you know, the, you know, he, he probably could have been a, a high pick, but maybe not a first round pick. He goes to Vanderbilt and then he's the most coveted player in the draft. So yeah, it's all those stories. That's what gets me juiced up for, you know, kind of the, the start of the season is we don't know come, this time last year, Olsh, Kevin Copps was just a dude with an eight ERA today. He's the guy that won our Heisman trophy. So who's that guy this year? I, I, that's what I'm fired up for. Who's that guy? That's right. I guess I'll ask you one last one. Give me an underdog to, uh, to make the world series this year. Now that you've had some time to, to. Underdog to make the world series. I'm going to give you Cal Poly Cal Poly in the big West. They uh, they have the best position player in the country, Brooks Lee, shortstop, switch hitter. His dad is the coach, Larry Lee. You know, great hitting instructor. Brooks is going to be a first round pick, and so they've they've not been to the tournament in a few years. They also have a really good arm who was on Team USA, Drew Thorpe. So yeah, the Big West teams always give people problems in the postseason. And and here's the thing, also you got to get in, and then you only got to win five games. You win five games, you're in Omaha. So who knew? Crazy. Runes, thank you. Mike Rooney, our guest, always goes too fast, but uh, catch him on ESPN, catch him on D1Baseball.com, catch him on uh, 
covering Pac-12 baseball, catch them at a college baseball game near you. There's nobody That's who right. enjoys it more. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, can't wait till Friday. You got it all. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. That's our show today. TGIM, college baseball preview. Uh, we look forward to catching everyone next time.